Dirt under my nails Dirt under my boots Well you can say this dirt goes back before my grandpa's roots I should have stayed in school instead of running down this dream But that's how it goes with guys like me Good morning, good morning, good morning. Cable Smith, welcome everybody into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here today. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. So thanks for dropping by. Uh, we've got a great show lined up for you here on episode 573, and I'll tell you all about it momentarily. But But first, man, I hope that you guys are out there punching turkey tags this weekend or maybe hitting up the crappie spawn, largemouth. Man, they're on beds where I live. Uh, probably still too early for uh, folks up north. and Certainly our Canadian listeners, I mean, you probably aren't even thawed out yet. So it'll be a little while. But uh, spring is here. It's a wonderful time of the year. Bear hunting as well. Uh, that's right here, right around the corner. And unfortunately, my, my spring bear hunt in Canada was canceled because Trudeau is a uh, big old wuss and communist. But other than that, uh, he's a great guy. <laughs> uh, he reminds me a lot of Biden, to be frank. But uh, we won't go too far down that rabbit hole. Uh, you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos because... We're going to be joined by a uh, real-life American hero today, and his name is, uh, well, he's Technical Sergeant Dan Fye, who stepped on an IED in Afghanistan, but not even losing a leg has stopped Dan from pursuing his love for the outdoors. And that culminated on an Alaskan moose and grizzly bear hunt recently that was facilitated by... SCI Alaska. So in addition to Dan, Lewis Cusack is here. Uh, he is the executive director of SCI Alaska, has a wealth of knowledge on big game hunting in Alaska, and uh, we're glad to have both of them join us for the duration of today's presentation. So that is what's on the docket for today. And for me personally, it's always an honor to get to visit with these fine folks who have laid it all on the line for our freedoms to protect us from communism, socialism, tyrants, you name it. So anyway, that's what we're going to do today. Uh, let's take a quick break. First though, I almost forgot about this. I've got an awesome hunter specialties giveaway today. I've got the flock, the strut light family of decoys, Two hens and a Jake, a $100 value. I've also got the Jury Outdoor Signature Series um, lineup of calls. We had Mark Drury on our our new thing that we're doing, the Campfire Conversations, which you can find in our podcast feed on iTunes and Spotify. It's just extra content, but we had Mark on, and he actually demoed all of these calls. Uh, I've got the pot call, the... Um, there's four diaphragm calls, the mouth calls, and then also a beautiful 
walnut box call. Let's just see how this slate sounds here real quick. I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Oh, man. Uh, I'll tell you my turkey hunting failure from last weekend next week. I want to get into it today. Just oh, makes me angry. But anyway, um, yeah, so if you want to enter the uh, the Hunter Specialties turkey pack, the whole value is like $230. Uh, just email the word. How about Gobbler? Yeah, just email Gobbler to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. And you are entered into today's awesome turkey hunting prize pack from Hunter Specialties. Let's take a break. Up next, hey, it's not often we get to visit with uh, real-life American heroes, so certainly grateful that we get to do that with Technical Sergeant Dan Fye right here on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. all them pretty people up on El Cerrito Place say all got something in their pockets. Star Night Vision and Thermal Imaging has been helping hunters light up the night for over a decade now. I've been with them for quite some time. Back in the early days, thermal optics were pretty expensive. You might not realize it, though. The average guy can get into a thermal rifle scope these days very affordably. I've got the Thermion XP50. Absolutely love that scope. It's got a diverse color palette, lots of options to choose from, whether you want white hot, uh, black hot, red hot, you name it. There's tons of options, literally. It's got internal recording as well, and it's got internal and external battery options. So you can hunt all night without having to worry about running out of batteries. You can find the Thermion XP50 as well as their entire lineup of thermal and night vision optics right there at PulsarNV.com. Spawn is right around the corner. Your reels have been re-spooled and the tackle box is ready to roll. But the question is, can your truck handle another season of pulling your boat in and out of the water every weekend? Call David Boone at Third Coast Diesels. He'll make sure your truck is not what sinks your next fishing trip. Offering a widespread array of diesel parts and services, call 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com today. It's a classic from Johnny Horton, North to Alaska. We're actually about to head to Alaska here momentarily. Uh, someplace that is on my bucket list. Man, I want to go to Alaska. Bad. The Last Frontier. Or, isn't that what it's called? I think it is. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking I'm looking maybe DIY caribou hunt here in a couple of years. Uh, I've had a couple of buddies do that successfully uh, and rather affordably because I don't really want to go on a cruise to Alaska. If I'm going to Alaska, I want to go hunting, right? Anyway, uh, thank you guys for being here on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. I'm your host, Cable Smith, and we've got a uh, an Alaskan moose hunt slash grizzly bear hunt to get into with SCI Alaska Chapter Executive Director Lewis Cusack and Technical Sergeant Dan Fye, who uh, recently went on this hunt 
And they were even accompanied by Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy. Uh, so that's pretty cool as well. And we'll get into all that good stuff momentarily. This segment, however, is proudly brought to you by Vortex Optics. You know, if I was headed to Alaska or really any remote wilderness and I'm going to be looking for game, I'm taking my Vortex Diamondback HD spotting scope. You can get into one of these bad boys for less than 700 bucks easy, and it's a game changer. When you got to spend hours behind the glass, you want something reliable and something that's going to offer high performance. That's what the uh, Diamondback HD series does. You can find it at vortexoptics.com. With that being said, let's bring on our first guest today. Joining us now, it's my pleasure to welcome Technical Sergeant Dan Fye and SCI Alaska Executive Director Lewis Cusack. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. Absolutely. So where are each of you uh, joining us from today, Dan? We'll start with you. Uh, I'm coming from Bremerton, Washington, which is about right across, across the sound from Seattle. I'm here just outside of Anchorage, Alaska, a little place called Chugiak, about 20 miles north of Anchorage. Okay. And are you from uh, Alaska originally? <laughs> no, not hardly. I'm from Louisiana originally. <laughs> I moved up to Alaska in uh, 1986. Okay. I went to work in the oil field up here. So, so uh, very different uh, backgrounds, I'm guessing here. Um, Lewis, you've likely, you know, you're from Louisiana. I'm assuming you've been hunting a lot longer than Dan, just from reading what I know about him. Uh, he picked it up later on in life. Um, have you been hunting your entire life? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of came out of diapers hunting. You could say I grew up hunting with my dad and my, and my brother down South Louisiana, Mississippi, did a little bit adventuring out to Texas, but I always kind of sat there and watched Kurt Gowdy and American sportsman hunting in Alaska. And, you know, somehow I just knew I was coming. <laughs> well, so what is your favorite thing to hunt as an Alaskan resident? It just, it really kind of depends. I, I guess at this point in my life, the, the thing I like hunting the most is uh, big bull moose in the rut. You know, you, you know, just to turn one of those big guys and have him come at you is, uh, it, it's a lot of fun, you know, and it's, uh, you know, my wife and I hunt together mostly and we've got a river that we hunt on our own. We float every year and it's, uh, you know, it's 15 days and, uh, you know, in a pristine environment, you know, with lots of different shot opportunities and, uh, great hunting so it's, it's probably at this point in my life it's, it's probably my favorite you know probably mountain goats my second favorite and uh you know i still uh still love getting in sheep mountains too so as an alaskan resident do you automatically qualify for a tag for each of those species every year every year so in fact uh mountain goat is uh mostly draw registration and uh you know, the south side of Kodiak Island has an extremely healthy population of mountain goats. So you can actually kill uh, two mountain goats a year on the south side of Kodiak. Oh, wow. And it's a registration hunt. Now they're encouraging you to shoot one nanny and one billy. and uh, really needs to be done. And what about the, the sheep? Sheep? There's a lot of open areas for sheep still. You know, you, it's, still uh, get a, you get a tag for those as well? Every year. I'm moving to Alaska, damn it. <laughs> yeah, you, the other thing is the tags don't cost you anything. You know, I, I, I look for that to change at some point in time with the way the demographics are changing. But, you know, I'd happily, you know, pay five or ten bucks for a tag or 
or even more if I needed to, you know, if just to, just to help out with the conservation effort. But yeah. no, you can see brown bear, black bear, mountain goat, grizzly bear, moose, um, muskox. You have to pay for a tag for muskox, but muskox and uh, and uh, if you draw a delta, if you're lucky enough to draw a bison tag, you have to pay for a tag for it. But pretty much everything else uh, is across the counter uh, or registration tags at no cost to the resident. Wow. Or hunting coastal brown bear, if you're lucky enough to draw a Kodiak Island uh, permit, I think you have to pay, uh, I think it's 25 bucks for the tag. <laughs> Y'all just give them away up there. Uh, yeah. But so- well, you know, the difference in Alaska, right, is that the, the, the cost and the expenses in the getting there, you know, whereas, you know, you may pay a hundred bucks for a tag in Texas, which I know it's not that much for a resident. And, and, uh, but, you know, most of the places you can find someplace that hunt public land, or you may pay, you know, a thousand bucks or 1500 for a lease or something. Whereas in Alaska, just to hunt one species, you, you may have 3000 bucks just in plane flights to get where you want to hunt. Okay. So your your obviously your passion for big game hunting has led you to your current position as executive director of the SCI Alaska chapter. Yeah, that would be correct. You know, I, I kind of uh, I reached a point kind of in my hunting life, for lack of better ways to put it, where I was helping more people get their get their animals than I was taking animals myself. And you know, I kind of got to looking around and. You know, I looked at all these great opportunities that have been handed to me, and and you know, I got to thinking. Well, you know, it started with Teddy Roosevelt, and and so many people, you know, since him, you know, that have all you know put the effort and put their money, and, and basically put their life in the in the wildlife conservation and ensuring that you know all of us had wild places to hunt, and uh, and access to hunt them, and and, and hunting. Uh, regulations that allowed us to hunt them and you know i just reached that point to where you know i'm looking back on everything these guys did and i'm also looking forward and seeing all these young guys and gals that are interested in hunting and you know i just felt like it was my job at this point to uh to do my share to make sure that you know that all the people put the work in to make sure i had a great opportunity it was my turn to put that same work in to make sure that the next generations and my kids and my grandkids had the same great opportunities that I've had. Right on. Yeah. I think, um, everybody who's passionate about hunting and if you're, you know, if you're passionate about hunting, then you're certainly passionate about conservation. Um, but I, I encourage everyone out there listening to get involved with, it doesn't have to be the executive director or the committee chair, but there's tons of great conservation organizations out there. Uh, I've been on the Dallas ducks unlimited committee, for like seven or eight years and um, you meet a bunch of great people and at the end of the day yeah you're volunteering your time but like you said uh, I look at my son who's eight and I could you know certainly I certainly justify it saying I'm doing it for the ducks but now I can say oh I'm doing it for him um, yeah which which feels good so um, I appreciate you taking on that leadership role I'm sure it's uh at sometimes you know those are thankless positions by and large, um, but certainly necessary. So thanks for doing that. Uh, yeah. The, uh, Alaska chapter. Um, now you guys recently auctioned off a, a doll sheep hunt, correct? Yes, so we did. And how did that, how did that go as far as fundraising? You know, I, you know, in all honesty, it, you know, it blew the doors off of anything that ever happened with that, that tag in the, in the past. You know, we, I ended up, uh, 
sending a check that was, you know, the, the way this, the uh, governor's tax work in Alaska is 70% of that money goes, of the net goes straight back to uh, the state of Alaska. And they use it for their wildlife conservation programs and, and to, uh, you know, do biological studies and enforce regulations. And, uh, you know, I, I was able to send a check to the state of Alaska that was significantly higher than that uh, permit has ever grossed in any type of other, other auction platform. So it was, it was very successful from a conservation standpoint. And I kind of, I kind of set out to do something a little different, you know, with these governor's tags. Usually, it's the guy with the deepest pockets yeah. that, that can afford the most money to, uh, to that buys these tags on auction. And God bless them, because you know, contrary to popular belief, these guys do do a heck of a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to conservation. Yeah. But I wanted an opportunity to offer that up to somebody who in no way shape or form would they ever be able to do that hunt if they didn't win it in a raffle yeah. and the guy who won that hunt was a retired ups truck driver that never hunted anything bigger than a a, a small class whitetail so we were able to give him a hunt of a lifetime raise a lot of great money for conservation and, and get a lot of people excited about what we were doing well, I'm certainly glad to hear that that was such a uh, successful endeavor for SCI Alaska, giving away that hunt of a lifetime, raffling it off. Uh, but we're going to talk about another hunt of a lifetime with a real-life American hero, Technical Sergeant Dan Fye, who is oh, he's actually here, but uh, Dan hasn't uh, – well, I haven't asked him really anything. Lewis and I were compelled to just keep talking there. So uh, apologies to Dan, but he has a lot to share regarding – this hunt, uh, which also took place in Alaska, we'll do that next. That segment brought to you by Mossberg Firearms and the Patriot lineup. I've got one in 243, 375 Ruger, 300 Win Mag, 7 Mag, 350 Legend, um, 270. I mean, the list goes on and on. I love this lineup of rifles. You can get them in synthetic or uh, a classy walnut stock if you prefer. They are rugged, reliable, and affordable. You can find the Patriot lineup at Mossberg. Com. We'll be right back with more right here on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Yours more than more. You spent your whole life wondering with the look on your face like a saint and gold. Whether you're headed to the lake for crappie, the coast for redfish, or trying to put your tag on that big gobbler this spring, don't let your truck tank your next trip. Third Coast Diesels does it all. From maintenance to repairs to full diesel rebuilds, any accessory on any truck, doesn't matter. They also do lifts, wheels, tires, hell, you name it. Third Coast Diesel does it. Call David Boone at 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com. With city life seemingly getting crazier by the minute, the thought of moving out to the country is looking more appealing than ever. And Foster Farm and Ranch has been recognized as one of the nation's top ranch brokerages the past two years. They have listings in 22 counties and counting and are truly a statewide entity. Foster represents buyers and sellers from all walks of life. Farmers, ranchers, hunters, doctors, lawyers, investors, and possibly you. You can find them on Facebook, Foster Farm and Ranch, or Instagram at Foster Ranch Sales. Of course, fosterfarmandranch.com, the website, or call Chad at 830-776-3605. I was only 17. I met a girl from Bowling Green. It was the fieriest kind of winter fling. 
She got pregnant with my son I didn't have nowhere to run So I manned up and we married in the spring It's a little good night, Texas, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you, as always. Thanks for dropping by today. Uh, we've still got SCI Alaska's Lewis Cusack on the line, as well as Technical Sergeant Dan Fye. And we're going to get to know Dan a little bit here uh, momentarily and transition into his hunt of a lifetime. Uh, certainly an individual well-deserving, and we'll explain that here in just a second. First, however, this segment brought to you by, well, the good folks over at SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'm a proud member. I'd encourage you to join our ranks if you're passionate about not only conservation and education, but also protecting your rights as a hunter. That's what SCI is all about. For more info, check us out at safariclub.com. Org. And with that being said, um, let's get to know Technical Sergeant Dan Fye, who stepped on an IED, I believe, uh, in 2011 while serving in Afghanistan, sustained horrible injuries, amputation, uh, which, Dan, you can talk about that or not, up to you. But prior to coming home after being uh, severely wounded, had you grown up in the outdoors and was hunting something that had always been a part of your life. No, I'd, uh, I'd been interested in hunting, um, but just never had the opportunity to, um, I grew up in California and, uh, in the East Bay area. And my, uh, my neighbor was a hunter and I remember he would bring his kills back home and he'd hang them up in the, in the neighborhood we lived in from the tree and, uh, clean them out there in the front yard. And that's about the only thing I had uh, experienced with hunting growing up. And then uh, joined the military, just, you know, we're gone all the time. Um, just never had an opportunity, never really got friends with anyone that still, that went out and hunted while they're in the military and uh, never had the chance until after I got injured. Um, and that was even a few years after, after the injury, because it took me a long time to, to get back to, to walking around again and uh, end up uh, getting into a gym and working out there. And when I was finally mobile enough, uh, one of my buddies there told me, he's like, Hey man, you've ever been hunting. And I was like, no, nah, I just never had a chance to. And he's like, well, you know, I've got like a couple hundred acres and I take guys out there hunting all the time. You want to go with. And, uh, that was the first time I ever went hunting and I ended up getting a, a nine point whitetail out there. Oh, nice. And that was, that was my, my first hunt. That was probably back in 2013, 2014. Okay. So it took you about three years to get, you know, that's a rough road to recovery. Um, you you ended up losing a leg, correct? Yeah, it, it was it was not quite that long. I mean, so I lost my left leg below the knee. Uh, my right leg was destroyed. I lost a few inches of it. Uh, end up end up having to go into a thing called a Taylor spatial frame, which is like a big halo device. So I had five rings and a big foot plate that were bolted and pinned to my leg to to help stretch it out over time to grow the bone back and build up the tissue that was lost. And uh, I was in that for 13 months. Wow. And then within a week of me getting out of that, my leg snapped in half. And uh, I had to end up going in this hard clamshell brace for another six months or so 
until I finally got in the brace that I'm in right now, and uh, which is called an IDEO or an ExoSim brace. And with that, I've been a lot more mobile, but it, it took me almost two years to get to the point where I was walking unassisted. And oh, so a lot, of, a lot of opportunities did come up in those first couple of years, but I just, I wasn't in the mood to do it. I wasn't feeling it. Um, with all those I can't pins imagine and- going through all that and then having your legs snap and being like, now I got to start over. Oh yeah, well, it was funny too because when I when I got it done, um, I, I had it taken. The the thing was taken off, and they put me in this like soft walking boot and said, "Just don't put any pressure on it." And so I went to therapy. Uh, you know, I forget how many days it was, but one day I went to therapy, and I was like, "Man, my leg's a little sore." And I continued doing therapy. Went to a dental appointment. Came home. Went to go take the boot off to to let my leg kind of air out, and my just leg just flopped down like right in the center. And I'm like sitting there holding my knee and my foot circling my leg around <laughs> i'm wow. like this is just not normal so yeah i had to so they forgot they were supposed to give me that hard clamshell which they forgot to give me and uh had to wait a little bit to get it but uh yeah it was it was pretty that was a very demoralizing time the the first sure. especially the first couple of years so yeah because also with those bolts and pins in your leg you have to worry about infections and i just didn't really want to push it too much because i i was really struggling with infections with all the sites and it just yeah. wasn't healing up right. Well, so you finally got healed up um, immediately. One of the first things you did was go go hunting, take a nice buck. From there, how did you come to find out about this Alaskan moose hunt that you were going to be considered for? Um, my buddy Jason Brown with uh, Outdoors for Heroes called me up one day and uh, said, hey, you know, I got this uh, this awesome hunt that's coming up in Alaska. And, uh, you know, would you be interested in, in going up to Alaska? And I'm like, yeah, I, I've always wanted to go. Yeah, I'm sure, whatever. But I didn't think it was going to be even a chance of me getting it. Uh-huh. And then a few months later, he called me up. He's like, hey, Dan, just let you know I put you in for it. But it's, it's not just any hunt up there. It's a, it's a pretty amazing hunt. It's, uh, it's going to be a moose and at the time elk, um, or not elk, uh, caribou. Uh-huh. And it's going to be with the governor of Alaska. And so they're going to submit me to go up against other veterans for it. I'm like, dude, there's okay. At this point, there's no way I'm going to get selected for it. And then uh, a few months later, I got the call to, to uh, do a zoom call with uh, Lewis and, and Steve Perrin and other guys with, uh, with uh, SDI Alaska uh, to go over, you know, I thought was going to be an interview to see if they're going to pick me. And I ended up finding out on that call that they selected me for it. (laughs) That was was pretty funny. (laughs) Don, Don Sturgeon, because uh, we were interviewing, we were interviewing Dan, and uh, you know he kept answering these questions like he was being interviewed, you know, and uh, and John Sturgeon, who's he's he's really the guy who kind of helped me pull all the right connections together. You know, I do the, the heavy lifting when it comes to fundraising and the work around getting the logistics stuff done, but John's kind of the spearhead behind getting the right people involved, you know, mm-hmm. and and he told Dan, he says. Uh, Dan, uh, I think there's a misunderstanding here. He says, uh, you know, you're not being interviewed. You're going on a hunt. We're just <laughs> you could hear a pin drop on that phone for a few minutes. Oh. And then Dan realized what you had t- uh, he was just soaking it in, you know. Oh, that's awesome. So you find out you've been selected. And then I guess the uh, the next thing you've got to do is is figure out how to ride a horse, huh, Dan? Yeah. Yeah. I the, Up until that point, the only time I ever rode a horse was my daughter's birthday we got to ride a, a horse on a trail for like 20 minutes and so uh one of the guys out here at uh sci in the uh 
Northwest got me hooked up with a family member that had horses and they got me out for a few riding lessons. Uh, most of them was funny because all half of them were in a corral and then the other two lessons were going up and down the street and around the corner and around the neighborhood. And uh, that was my, my training to get ready for my Alaska horse riding experience, which uh, I later found out when I got up there, I pretty much could have started from nothing because <laughs> the experience I got, it was good to learn that I could get on a horse. And that was the most beneficial thing from it because uh, it was pretty intense riding. I was, uh, I was really, really uh, impressed and uh, excited about how, uh, how really remote and uh, difficult some of the riding was. Yeah, it's oh, probably, sure. probably good to, to mention Cody at this point. Cody Schreier, he's with the uh, SCI Northwest chapter. And kind of the way this, this whole deal came about was, uh, you know, we had a DM-795, which is a Wounded Warrior Moose on as a drawing permit here in Alaska that we sponsor as well. And uh, we were really having trouble finding qualified candidates because what happens a lot of times in Alaska is when guys get wounded, they end up going back home to wherever home was you know, to be closer to their family and stuff. So, you know, I was really struggling to get, you know, a good resource base so that we weren't taking the same guys hunting, you know, every year. And I met Cody at a uh, SCI uh, sponsored uh, board meeting. And uh, it was between Cody and myself and then Cody got a hold of Jason. And uh, that's how we ended up uh getting Dan involved and getting the other wounded warriors that we took hunting last year involved. And it was, uh, it was just that SCI board meeting networking with other organizations. So it, it really worked out for us and, and as for Dan and other wounded warriors as well. Yeah. Very cool. And, and so how does the governor of Alaska get plugged into this? And, and Dan, was he just like there in camp, um, like hunting moose and you kind of like, you know, had a beer at the end of the day, visiting or was he actually like hunting with you no he was with me the whole time um i ended up being there for 10 days and uh, six of those days him and his uh his security were with me the whole time they're my pack guys um so yeah he spent i mean every day that i was out hunting he was out with me um helping to teach me and and uh, it was actually he's an amazing amazing guy um alaska's lucky to have him as a governor he really does care about um the hunting and, and conservation in, in alaska and so yeah, so he really security detail was your were your packers. Yeah, him and I can't a, think of a better way to spend tax dollars than than giving back to a an American hero than by having this the governor's service man pack his bags and and hopefully butcher a moose. Yeah, the governor was all all in there cutting it up himself um, <laughs> and so uh, cool. showing me how to do it. So it was uh, it was pretty amazing. I say he's a big guy too. He could pack. I mean, I, I'm six foot four, and he's he's overhead taller than me. I think he's six, seven or something like that, or six, nine, but he's, he's a big, strong guy. And this is actually the second, uh, he kind of laughs because, you know, there's no reelection thing involved, but we called it the second annual Alaska governor's wounded warrior hunt. And, uh, he did, he did one on a fog knack with us last year. And, and that's really where John Sturgeon comes in again. He, you know, he's got pretty tight relationships with the governor and, uh, you know, governor asked to, uh, to get involved and to help give back. And, uh, you know, we're probably going to do another one with him again this year, hopefully. Well, Governor Dunleavy sounds like a hell of a guy. Certainly has, uh, well, he's gained my respect. Not that he didn't have it before, but, man, uh, a governor that voluntarily just gives up his time to go hunt with a wounded warrior, a, a true hero of this country. 
That's awesome. Um, we're going to take a break. We'll come back and hear how the hunt itself actually played out. Alaskan moose and maybe even grizzly bear coming at you next. That segment brought to you by my friends over at All Seasons Feeders, Blinds, and Smokers. That's right. They've got the entire All Seasons Smoker lineup uh, this week, I did an Axis backstrap, turned that thing into a uh, delicious medium-rare quesadilla, uh, but smoked the, the backstrap for about 30 minutes on that all-seasons. Came out just a beautiful medium-rare. I've got the 12 by 24 It's a small unit. I think they're like 300 bucks, and they've got um, well, much fancier stuff than that. But anyway, check it out. All Seasons Smokers. You can find them at uh, allseasonsfeeders.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Become the home of the afraid. Afraid of the world, afraid of the truth. Afraid of each other. This ain't the country my grandfather fought for. But I still see the hate he fought again. There's something nostalgic about the old-timey general store, and that's exactly what you're going to find in downtown Goldwaith, Texas, at the Mills County General Store. They're licensed FFL with rifle, pistols, and shotguns, ammo, gun accessories, hunting accessories, deer corn, and attractants, sporting goods. They've got a wide array of knives to choose from, plus insulated apparel for both work and camo for hunting season, fishing supplies. They've got foods like Anchor Tea, grass-fed beef, Dublin sodas, gourmet sauces, and a whole lot more. Also, Ace Hardware. From wall to wall, they have it all. Check it out. The Mills County General Store right there in Goldthwaite, Texas. Hi, Brett Jepson here with Three Curl Lease Connection. I'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of Texas' best dove hunting just minutes outside of Dallas. We have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season, including milo, wheat, sunflower, and cornfields. Leases come in different sizes and prices, so we can fit anyone's budget. We have the lease that's perfect for you and your group. We don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property, and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come. Please visit us at threecurl.com and click on leases for your property listings. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-U-R-L.com. I just want one little taste I do not console me For your time it's a waste There's a little Weldon Henson by request Pass Me the Wine The name of that one bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show Presented by Mossberg Firearms Thank you guys and gals for spending a part of your week with me. I do appreciate you as we're still visiting with Lewis Cusack of SCI Alaska and Technical Sergeant Dan Fye. We'll pick it back up with uh, Dan's Alaskan hunt of a lifetime. But before we do that, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy with locations in Marion and San Antonio, Texas, Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my taxidermy needs for over a decade. They answer the phone when I call, which is nice because it seems like a lot of taxidermists are trying to dodge your phone calls. They do amazing work, whether that's an Alaskan moose, um, an African safari, a white-tailed deer, or a trout from the Texas coast. doesn't matter. They do it all, and the work is impeccable. You can find them at GR, the number 8 mounts. 
All right. Well, let's get back into it here with Lewis and Dan, who were nice enough to stick around through the break. One funny anecdote that I saw in your in your article that you wrote, and where can folks find this, by the way, Dan? Because you did a really nice job um, covering this this experience from the beginning to end. Oh, thank you very much. Um, it was in a, a less Alaska it was Alaska Sporting Journal, I think, is where they put it in. Uh huh. Lewis, yeah. is that the one that's in? Yeah, I was. It's it's actually making rounds all over the place, uh, Dan. You know, we first published it in our newsletter, and then Alaska Sporting Journal did a did a cover story on it, and uh, now it's actually going up the national. And national is going to do both the blog and uh, put it in the national magazine as well. So, and that's kind of how we ended up uh, in in this interview was uh, through the SCI National Organization and uh, and the work we're doing to uh, to put the story together. Well, we certainly appreciate them getting us all together here. No doubt about that. So, but going back to the the way that you wrote this piece, it's very uh, personal. And one thing that I kind of giggled at was that you had to take your leg off to fit in the front seat of this little uh, float plane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, especially the way with my ankles not being able to bend, I was, uh, my feet kept getting into the little levers down at the bottom and it's, it's really tight too, but I mean, it was either me get in there or, uh, get the governor up front and with I'm only six, two compared to six, seven, six, eight. So it was a lot easier <laughs> to climb in there, especially since I can detach parts. Yeah. Good thing you weren't stuffed in a super cup. <laughs> I, had to, I had to kind of pour myself out of it when I got, when I got done, but uh, it was an amazing experience flying in one of those. It was absolutely incredible. And this plane was like from the 1950s. Yes. Yeah. It was a, uh, you couldn't tell. I mean, that thing was in amazing shape. And when he told me it was from the fifties, I was surprised, but it's been, it's a, it was a beautiful plane. Yeah, as a de Havilland Beaver, I think the last one was made in 1958, which was the year I was born, but wow. you know, they're, they're the workhorse in Alaska. And, you know, there's, there's a number of them that, you know, they're built in 1958, but you know, they've been rebuilt and, and, you know, worked over you know for years and you know there's quite a few of them in alaska and you know that they're absolutely the workhorse you know of the uh the outdoors industry in alaska so you get in this plane that's uh what 70 70 some odd years old and and it's taking you to the oldest hunting lodge in alaska if i remember correctly yeah parents Rennie pass lodge oh that's so cool so how long have they been around? I don't know if you remember that off the top of your head, but. Oh, man, I forget exactly when. Was it the teens or 20s? Somewhere around there. Wow. They've been, they've been running for a while. So there's yeah. probably a lot, yeah. a lot of history there. Yeah, definitely a lot. Plus, it's one of the stops on the Iditarod, too. So that's uh, pretty amazing as well. Oh, part cool. of history. Well, yeah, they actually had a show on the History Channel about them. I think it was called Brothers Five or or something like that. There's five boys in the family and it was all about the outfitting industry and, and their, uh, their place out there. Well, I've never been to Alaska. It's certainly, uh, it's probably at the top of my list, but uh, I did take a moose on the extreme opposite side of the continent in uh, Newfoundland. And I imagine the boggy nature of the terrain was very similar. Uh, Dan did you were on horseback most of the time, but I know when you actually had to stalk the moose to make the shot, you, you had to do uh, some walking on foot. 
Yeah, yeah, we got we got within about 500 meters of where we thought that the moose was going to be because we we'd been glassing from a hill about five miles away from from where we end up taking my moose, and uh, so we, we spotted it and decided to go, you know, go see if we can get up to it. But we had to cross, I mean, miles of just marshland and tall brush. We had to cross a river as well that came up to uh, our saddlebags, which was also an incredible experience on that one. Um, but also had like really steep inclines and declines we had to go up and down and we got to about 500 meters of where we thought the moose was going to be and so we dismounted there and secured our horses and started moving in and yeah it, it, we we'd sink in maybe like six to eight inches in muck through the whole way trying to push the brush trying to be quiet and uh got within 293 yards i think is what we end up uh, lazing at. And uh, we just couldn't see exactly where it was. So we tried to get a little bit of high ground, look at it. And uh, as kind of wrestling the brush, it kind of spooked one of the cows and she popped up and started moving around. And so they made a, we made a few noises, a few calls to see if we can get the bull to come out. And finally he came out, he ended up having five or six cows with him. And uh, yeah, I ended up having to take a, a uh, um, the longest shot I've ever had to take too. I've never shot, um, <clears throat> Never shot quite that far at almost 300 yards, especially while trying to stand somewhat braced on a tripod, but uh, uneven uh -huh. ground through a heavy brush. But uh, yeah, it was it was an incredible, incredible experience to, uh, I mean, even at 300 yards, it's pretty awesome to be from that big of a bull, uh, especially when you've never been near one before, except for in a, a, in a zoo. Yeah. So did you take him down on the first shot? So I was pretty nervous. <laughs> Understandably, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So the first shot I was, uh, I got my shot I made sure the bulls or the cows had cleared. I took my shot and the governor was like, I think he hit it in the head or the antlers because I saw a white puff. And so I looked back at my, my uh, optic and he's just standing there. So I take, you know, two more shots pretty quick and he's just still standing there. So I load up two more rounds of my rifle and I take a, I slow down because now the cows are walking in front. So I slow down now, take a breath. I take a shot and I see him flinch. Pull it, uh, put another round in, have to wait again because now the cows are running around him. I take another shot when it, it clears. And then this time he finally kind of starts moving. He walks over and he drops finally. And like, but he stayed there for, I don't know, a few minutes, just kind of sitting there. Hmm. And then finally laid down. And then uh, me and the governor end up um, trucking in the 300 yards to get through him through the brush while the other guys went to go get the horses. And when we got up to him, we found out that my first round, it ended up hitting him in the eye. But oh, it didn't wow. just go through the eye. It went through his right eye and out his left eye without even hitting the eyelids. So he went out. He couldn't see anything. He was kind of, I guess, dazed. Yeah. And it ended up hitting him in the heart and the lungs. And he still didn't want to go down. So uh, it's amazing to see how real tough these, creature, these uh, creatures are. Because I was told before, like, oh, they're, they're pretty... Uh, pretty easy to drop but after after seeing that uh, it's it's quite impressive on what they can take absolutely yeah what cal what caliber were you using uh i used a 300 weatherby right on yeah did they ever uh talk about a bog fish while you were there no i hadn't heard of that so so just going back to that terrain and the, that that muck and the bog and so you know if you're not real careful and this happened to me a couple times um in, in Newfoundland, uh, you know, you step into a, a spot and you, you, next thing you know, you're like up to your hip and just muck. 
and the the outfitter would say oh you stepped on a bog fish and uh so i was wondering if they if they had those in alaska but uh it doesn't sound like you found one no no i didn't find one it doesn't sound like a good time <laughs> yeah so, he, he, go ahead lewis he's in a little bit higher country higher elevation than uh what it sounds like you were in, you're probably more in a lowland uh, tundra type country. And, yeah. you know, that's where Dan was at. It's a little bit higher elevation, a little bit more of, uh, you know, willow, uh, uh-huh. a, a high brush country. And, uh, you know, usually it's a lot, you know, you, you only go down so far before you hit rock in that country for the most part. Okay. So, all right. The governor and his uh, security detail help you guys butcher and, and get this moose out of there. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to hear about the next part of the hunt because things only got better. And uh, we'll discuss that next. That segment brought to you by First Light Spectre. It is the brand spanking new camo pattern from First Light, original camo. And it is designed specifically for you, the whitetail hunter. It's a hardwoods pattern, ideal for those November days in the whitetail woods. You can find Spectre. The entire lineup right there at firstlight.com. First Light, go further. Stay longer. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. 
my kiddos literally fought over who got to put out the Big and J uh, over Easter weekend while we were at the Deerleys. Uh, they also fight over uh, who gets to open the gate. Weird, right? I mean, chores. Uh, but putting out Big and J is fun because it always brings results. You can find Big and J's entire lineup at bigandj.com. All right. Well, we just finished up talking about Dan's moose, his incredible Alaskan bull moose that he harvested, and was fortunate to have uh, Alaskan Governor Mike Dunleavy and his security detail help butcher and quarter and, and get that thing loaded up on the horses and back to camp. But the adventure didn't stop there because some, I, I don't even know if the governor was able to stick around for this part of the hunt, Dan, but you ended up taking a, a beautiful grizzly bear as well. Ended up getting the exact same spot I got my moose to. Um, so the, the next day, actually, actually, after we butchered everything, we had to go back and go get new horses, but it was later in the day, so we had to come back the next day. So the whole second day was, was packing everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after we got all that packed out, the next day we went up and, and glassed again from the same spot. And that's when um, Stevie Perrin, uh, my guide, he noticed a grizzly walking around out there. And it started getting later in the day by the time we saw him. So we're like, hey, tomorrow morning, we're just going to ride out there and see if we can, um, you know, see if he's still in the area. And because uh, we were, the whole time we're actually looking for caribou or pretty much whatever we can find, but mainly caribou, but we really saw none. I mean, we saw like a small little group of like maybe eight to 10, mm-hmm. but with a small bowl in it, we, we didn't see anything. Um, that's the only group of caribou we even saw there. So like if we, you know, if you see a, a grizzly, we'll go after that. So... The next day we rode the same spot, started riding around, uh, went to go kind of walk in to see if he was there. And then sure enough, he was actually on the kill, on the carcass. He was uh, dragging the skeleton back in the, the bones back into the brush and he's burying the gut pile. And so we were able to get within 75 yards of him, um, wow. right on the other side of an open swamp area. And he, uh, he must have heard us because he jumped back into the brush which is kind of an uneasy feeling because he goes in there. You don't know if he's trying to circle back around on you. Right. And uh, so we sat there for about 10 minutes or so when he finally came out and uh, went broadside to me and I was able to take a shot. And uh, my, uh, my guide took his backup shot right after, and he only made about 10, 15 yards and dropped. Wow. That's incredible to get the grizzly to go along with the, with the moose was 60 inches. Did I read that? Yeah. It was a 60 inch moose. A hell of a, a bull, and uh, yeah, get a beautiful, nice, beautiful bull. Grizzly on top of that, uh, truly had to be the hunt of a lifetime, no doubt. Oh, it was just it was an experience of a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you would top that. Have you um, been able to get out? Were you able to get out this season? Um, and and have you been able to continue to to you know foster that that love for the outdoors that you found here? Um, in your adult years? No, not yet. I mean, up in Washington, I mean, we, I, I go hiking, you know, go, go walk the trails and stuff. Um, I, I haven't had a chance to go, go hunting yet. Um, I got a couple of buddies that want to get out and go and uh, hopefully we'll get out soon and uh, go get an elk or something. Right on. Well, such a cool deal. Uh, just the way that it all came together. Thank you, you know, SCI for, for their part in it. And then what is the, um, what is the wounded warrior foundation that you were with? Certainly want to plug them. Uh, the Outdoors for Heroes? Was it Outdoors for Heroes? Yes. Yeah, Outdoors for Heroes. 
helped me out with all that. They've, they've okay. actually done quite a bit from doing the, the hunting side. Awesome. Awesome. So much love for them as well. Between uh, Outdoors for Heroes and uh, the uh, Northwest chapter, we actually uh, sponsored six wounded warrior moose hunts last year. We ended up uh, putting in, I forget how many people I put in total, but we had five different warriors draw four of them from the Outdoors for Our Heroes organization. And then, yeah, and, and, then, uh, and then this hunt came up. So we ended up last year, we ended up taking out six uh, wounded warriors moose hunting and all six of them successfully uh took a moose oh that's so cool yeah it's something every year too i mean we, we've got a, a whole list of applicants in now and you know we got our fingers crossed hopefully when we'll start planning our next moose hunt for six wounded warriors yeah well i certainly appreciate you guys doing that giving back to those who've who've laid it all on the line for their country uh it goes without saying that uh these this type of thing can never repay them for what they've, they've given up. Um, but I think Dan and just talking with him can attest to the, the, the reality that um, it's certainly, it's certainly a nice gesture and one that that's going to leave a lasting impression on him for the rest of his life. Are you getting those, um, Dan, are you getting the bull shoulder mounted European mounted? And what are you doing with the bear? Uh, the bull I'm having Euro mounted. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm having a bear skull Euro mounted and rugged. Okay, nice. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, I can't wait for those to come in. Yeah. Well, and what what did you think about the moose meat? My my family has um, said it's their favorite over elk, whitetail, axis deer. I mean, you name it. Anything that I've shot at um, in North America, they think moose is the best. Um, I I personally like it better than venison um my my wife's not a big fan but we've been eating moose pretty much since i got back from alaska so <laughs> it's uh it's definitely been feeding my family for uh for a while now and uh i i like it i really like it yeah what what about you lewis oh uh, no it, it's my favorite meat i mean same thing i mean we muskox is pretty good dolls eat good but you know i actually prefer moose uh you know we it's that's what we use instead of beef here. I mean, every now and then we'll cook a steak, but uh, for the most part, you know, it's moose, moose burger, you know, moose steaks and, uh, yeah. and, and all game we have. But, you know, our, our, our mainstay uh, meat, red meat is moose. Uh-huh. I find it to have a much more mild flavor than, say, whitetail, for instance. Uh, yeah. Just not very yeah. gamey at all. Yeah, it's got a clean beef taste. So even the older bulls, and uh, you know, a lot of the villagers say, uh, you know, they they say that the older the older moose have figured out what to eat. But you know, I shot one the same year Dan shot his, and it was uh, he was he was over twenty years old. He was a big old gnarly moose. Probably had ten inch bases on him, but he, you could tell he was a few years down from prime, right? And that was I, I thought, okay, this guy's going to be rough to eat, but actually. It, uh, you know, no lie, the best moose that we've eaten so far has been that moose. Wow. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, guys, I, I certainly appreciate your time today. Um, Dan, thank you again for your service. I appreciate that. And, and Lewis, thank you for everything you're doing, heading up the, uh, the effort there at SCI, uh, the, you know, Alaskan chapter and offering the leadership that you're, uh, that you're doing there. So appreciate that as well. Thank you so Thanks. much. I appreciate it. You bet, man. Take care. Thanks for thanks for having us.
All right, there they go. Lois Cusack of SCI Alaska and uh, Technical Sergeant Dan Fye. Certainly enjoyed visiting with them. I always like to have uh, real-life heroes on the uh, program who are interested in the outdoors. Dan certainly fits that bill to a T. Uh, but, uh, yeah, also, uh, if you are interested in helping facilitate these these hunts going forward, moose hunts for uh, wounded heroes, then you can do that at, I think it's AK safariclub.org yeah that's the alaskan chapter aksafariclub.org all right um man just looking at the clock we got to go got to get out of here uh that segment was brought to you by stealth cam by the way uh but uh yeah we'll do it again same time same place next week thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible thanks to you the listener for being a part of sci's lone star outdoors show until then Y'all have a great weekend in the turkey woods, and we'll see you next time. I can't believe, I can't forget the heart.